Gitin Perik Dalad Mishadalad four four, and the Mishnah continues to discuss various Tikune Haolam enactments that were promulgated, that were advanced in order to right various um, wrongs in society. Um, the next couple Mishnahs will discuss the topic of an Eved. This is a slave who's owned by a Jew, an Eved Kanani. Um, and I want to just do a moment's background to explain that as a halachic phenomenon. I don't want to discuss the morality of a Jew owning non-Jew, which is a very challenging topic, and I don't discuss it right now. Um, but um, as a legal phenomenon, understand that an Evid Kanani is a non-Jewish person who was purchased by a Jew, let's say like in a slave market, and um, the Jew requ- acquires rights in this human being, the slave, um, as if he's like his own economic his his full economic rights. The Jew has full economic rights in this slave, so it's called the Kenyan mamon, and that means that the Jew can sort of tell him what to do, and whatever he does, like say the Jew can say you know make bricks or make wine, and if the slave makes the bricks, the bricks belong to the Jew. If the slave makes wine, the wine belongs to the Jew. Fine. Now, when a Jew acquires an evid, he also um, has to sort of do what's like kind of like a partial conversion. The Evid Kanani becomes a quasi-Jew, uh, and he actually gets circumcised and go to the, goes to the mikvah, and he is immersed in the mikvah to become this quasi-Jew, L'shem Avdus, uh, which means he, he becomes a quasi-Jew. That means he actually takes on the mitzvahs like a Jew. Um, but even if he's a male, called an, an Evid Kanani, as opposed to Shifcha Kanani, as a female, so, which is, of course, why he's getting brismila, no brismila for the female, but immersion for all of them, um, he becomes obligated in, in mitzvahs, like he has to keep Shabbos, he has to keep kosher, and so on. But he is obligated like a Jewish woman, so things like mitzvahs asher, shazaman grama, time-bound mitzvahs like shaking lulav, and also other mitzvahs like Talmud Torah, they're not obligatory on the on the Evid. Um, so, the, therefore, there's a second Kenyan as well. The second Kenyan, the second like you know legal effect that takes place is that there are certain restrictions an Evid, a Kenyan Isser, certain restrictions put on this Evid, meaning the Evid, for example, once he's becomes, not only does he have to keep Shabbos and kosher, he also cannot marry a nice Jewish girl because he's an Evid, and Evid is not permitted to marry a Jewish girl. Okay, now, when the, if and when the owner releases this slave, giving him the Get Shechuru, we've discussed that already numerous times in the Masechta, so what happens is both those things are released. First of all, the owner releases his Kenyan Mamun, he releases his financial economic interest in this human being, so now he's a free agent, autonomous in terms of his own economic output. And second of all, um, he changes from being a quasi-Jew, I'll call it, Kanani, to being a full-blown Jew, like any other convert, um, which means he's a full-blown Jew, and therefore um, he not only is now obliged to keep Shabbos and kosher, but also he now could marry a nice Jewish girl, and he also has to shake a lulav, etc., and learn Talmud Torah, because he's a, he's a convert, he's a full-blown Jew. Okay? Now, our mission is going to start um, discussing what happens if you have an Evid, a slave, Shenishba, who was captured. So he's basically kidnapped, abducted by, by a third party. And who, now his owner, Mr. A, is without the Evid. So the case now, according to Bartonor, like, like the Gemara, the next step is that the owner, Mr. A, is Miyaesh. He gives up hope of ever getting his slave back. So when a person has anything that he owns, when he's miyayish from it, he releases his, he was, it's like he is, um, 
like be mafkrit, he makes it orderless, meaning he relinquishes his economic rights in it. So if I have a cow and I it goes missing and I give a pope find it again, when you find it, you can keep it. Or my wallet. Um, if I give a pope getting it back, you can keep it. So that would be true for the Evid as well. And that's what we're saying here, that this Evid who gets kidnapped, let's say the owner says, I'll never get it back. He is now, f- f- you know, he's given up hope of getting it, getting it back because he's Miyayish. So now he relinquishes his economic rights, his Kenyan Mammon, and whoever now would own him or acquire him now has the rights to this Evid. You know, if the, the bricks can go to whoever, you know, who owns him now. So Evid Shinishba, this Evid was abducted. Ufada'uhu. But then Mr. B, a nice Jewish man, comes and he redeems, he ransoms the slave. So now what? Imlishum Eved, if Mr. B paid the thousand dollars to the kidnappers because he wants a slave, so now he's like acquired the slave, and therefore Yishta Abed. So now he's now put into servitude of the new owner, Mr. B. Imlishum ben Chorin, if on the other hand, Mr. B just paid the ransom not to acquire him so he should be a slave, but just so he should be a you know a freed person. So then, lo yishtabed, he is not in servitude of anybody, meaning not only does Mr. A, Mr. B not claim him as a slave because he didn't acquire him for that purpose, um, but also Mr. A doesn't get him back because he was Mayayesh. He gave up hope of giving it back, so it's, 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 uh, it's gone. He's a free agent. Now, important to note, this slave is a free agent in terms of his economic output, but the still the Kenyan Isser didn't change, meaning he still has to keep Shabbos and kosher, but he still cannot marry a nice Jewish girl. He's not really a, he's not Mishnachrer, he's not, he's not freed. That hasn't been released from him. He just owns his own economic output. Okay? Um, if that wouldn't be the case, for example, I don't, I don't, fine. Now, that's the, that's the story. Now, Robin Shimon Gamliel Omer, Ben Kachu Ben Kach Yishtabed. Ben Shimon Gamliel says, listen, no, 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 no. He says, if we, allow the possibility for the slave to essentially get his own economic rights. So we're going to find a lot of slaves, slaves very conveniently getting abducted and going missing and so on, um, so that their owners lose hope, and therefore they can essentially get back their own economic rights. So therefore, Shimon ben says we need to make sure that there's no economic incentive for slaves to make themselves get lost or abducted. Um, no, someone has to always own their economic output, so that means if Mr. B... Um, didn't intend to acquire the rights to the slave when he ransomed him, freed him. So then, anyways, the slave goes back to Mr. A, notwithstanding the fact that there was, you know, he was he was Miyayish, but that will at least stop. That's that's a dinder abundant to itself. That's not the Tikkun Olam. That's just, there's no mention of Tikkun Olam yet. That's just a dinder abundant. And that's the setup, okay? That's the basic setup here. Now, Eved Sha'aso Rabo Apotiki. Now a new case here, like a new Mishnah, and this Mishnah is relevant to Tikkun Olam. Okay? What happens is, is we have a slave who was designated as an Apotiki. So what's going on over here? There are two guys. Uh, Mr. A, the borrower, and Mr. B, the lender. Mr. A says to Mr. B, listen, I need to borrow $1,000 from you, and I'll give you back the money, but if by Tuesday I don't give it back to you, so then, Apotihe Koi, that's what Chazan the word apotiki is being like a portmanteau. It's a contraction of those two words. Here stands your collateral. And the idea of an apotiki is that the lender not only has identified where he'll collect his repayment from, but also he waives the right to collect from elsewhere. Something not so different than, say, like kind of limited liability company where we're saying the liability for this loan is limited to this particular asset. Okay? In this case, it would be... Um, a slave. But an apotiki could equally be like just a, a building or a field 
or in theory, even it could be just, you know, like some you know, diamond ring on my wife's finger. So now, if Mr. A defaults and doesn't pay back Mr. B, Mr. B can just collect from his apothecary. That's simple. The problem is what happens if Mr. A is really a shyster and he doesn't like Mr. B one bit and he just defrauds him and he says, fine. But see, now on Tuesday, he doesn't come over the money and yet he is mishtachrer. He frees his slave. So now Mr. B, who had, who had essentially given recourse to collecting from anywhere else besides from the slave, now has no collateral from which to collect. And Mr. A has no money, so Mr. B is now left in the lurch. Now, he would want to then claim that the Ebbet belongs to him, and he has rights in him, but legally he'd be wrong. Okay? The problem is, he's not going to stop banging that drum. He's going to insist, you know, that I was defrauded, and Mr. A had no rights to release the slave, and he really is my slave. Which actually is not technically true, but certainly we can imagine he just would not give up on that. The same way, if Mr. A would have, you know, I don't know, if he would have sold the property which he had made as a collateral, Mr. B could say, listen, you had no right to sell it, and he can go to the purchaser and say, listen, I'd first lean on that, I'm getting it back, which he would be able to get back. And that would be true also for the diamond the diamond ring, he had no right to sell it. But if it is a slave who'd been freed, although maybe he did the wrong thing in freeing it, A, he defrauded, a, defrauded Mr. B. B, the Torah actually says, you're not even allowed to free slaves, which is a different topic we'll discuss in the next Mishnah. But it's within his legal rights to do so, and if he does, so the slave is not like a piece of property. He's now a He's now an autonomous human being until he's a full blown he's a full blown Jew. And there's no such thing now as Mr. B claiming from him, you know, and they make like economic rights on him. It's the same as if it's not exactly the same, but it's not so different than if I borrow money from you and I say, Listen, I'm penance, I can't pay you back, and you want to kidnap my son now to be your slave. You just can't do that because even if I promise to give you the son, or it doesn't make a difference. The point is the son is his own person. You can't you can't claim a son as your economic rights. It doesn't work. So therefore, because he's my Jewish son. So here, this is my Jewish former slave. You can't claim on him. So now, what's going to happen? So the Mishnah here says, Evich aso rabo apotiki. The master, Mr. A, designated the slave to be the collateral and the only source of collateral for a given loan to Mr. B. La cherem, to this Mr. B guy. And then, vishichro, and then Mr. A frees Mr. frees his slave in order to essentially just to defraud Mr. B. Now poor Mr. B is, is stuck. So Shura Sadin, according to the strict letter of the law, Eina Evid Chayv Klum. The slave, he's won the jackpot here. He did nothing, got his freedom. But the bottom line is what he doesn't own anything to Mr. B. What does he have to do with it? He wasn't he's you know an innocent bystander to the story here. Ella. But according to the Tanakami here, Mipne Tikana Olam, we don't we want to fix the world. And what is the concern we have here? That Mr. B is going to be insisting that this slave, this man who's now freed, is his slave. And that's going to not be very good for the kids, the, the slaves, this the, the freed slaves, kids, shidduch prospect, because now they'll allege that he's a slave and the children are slaves. And a child of a slave, like a slave and a Jewish woman, can't marry, can't marry a Cohen. They're restricted in terms of who they can marry. So, that's going to mess up the kids. We don't want that to happen. And therefore, if they take all them for the sake of benefiting the kids, they shouldn't have this, like, allegations that their father wasn't free, even though it's not true, but it's going to mess them up. Kofan es rabo, we force the master. Now, this is very confusing. Rabo here refers to Mr. B, the person who's claiming to be the rightful owner of this person. Mr. A is relinquished his rights. He's not the Rav for sure. He gave it get Shechur. Mr. B technically is not, has no rights either. But we're calling him Rabbo because he's going to give him now 
um, a formal document which says he waives Mr. B's and waive all rights in this fellow, admitting that he's not a slave and he doesn't own him, which would then sort of clear any possibility of, of allegations that he is still a slave. But also so Ben Khorin, he gives him a piece of paper that says, Listen, you are free and I have no claim on you. The Kosev Shtar al-Damav. And he, this is also confusing, the he now is the slave, will write a contract for the value that, that the the lender, Mr. B, lost. He'll stand behind it. He'll say, listen, when I make my fortune in the world, I will pay you back for the money you lost in your loan to Mr. A. Because, you know, it's worth it. That's, that's you know, I got my freedom. And that's sort of, uh, that's what I, that's what Chazal thought, Tanakama thought, the slave should do. So now, even though it seems like a little unfair, like why in the world should the slave have to be the one to pay back Mr. B when he didn't make the loan? You know, then it's, it's not, I'll call it not so bad because the slave's getting his freedom. And um, that's, that's, that's not a bad deal. Okay? Now, of course, that means that the Mr. A, the fraudster, really is getting away and he's a bad guy. So the other opinion is Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says that's, that's just not fair. That's not right. The slave nothing to do with this. The bad guy is Mr. A. Let Mr. A you know, suffer the consequences. So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, Eino kosev ela mishachrer. We still force Mr. B, the quote-unquote rabbo, the guy's claiming to be the owner, even though he's not, to give paperwork to waive all rights in this this uh, freed person, so there's no allegations against him. But in terms of the person who's now, in exchange for that, who's giving him the IOU, it's going to be Mr. A, the borrower, the bad guy in the first place. Um, and that way, that way, um, whatever, as soon as Mr. A comes into money, they'll garnish the wages of the stories, and Mr. B will get, get paid back for the money he, he loaned them, and which he otherwise wouldn't be able to do because of this apotiki, since the apotiki agreement was, I'm limiting my liability just this particular place you're going to collect from, and now the slave can't be collected from, so technically Mr. B would be like, you know, snookered, he'd be like, you know, checkmate, he can't get the, can't get repaid, but now he'll be able to. Now, the Allah is like Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, meaning the Allah is that the person who makes the, gives the IOU to the Mr. B, the lender, in exchange for him giving a document that says he waives all rights in the slave, um, that's the din. But I just want to make sure that both sides of the story are clear, because the halacha is like the Rabbi Shimon Gamliel who says, "Why should the slave have to get involved here? The bad guy is, is the is the borrower who didn't pay," which sounds reasonable, and that's the din. But the other side of the story, the Tanakama, and what the halacha doesn't follow is, is listen. The bottom line is here that the if you let it go that way, the slave has been released for nothing. He just like wins the lottery. Why is that? Watch the slave win the lottery. At least if the slave is trying to work something out between him and Mr. B. Let the slave say, "Listen, I'll I'll pay you at least what you lost if I get the money, um, because you know that's certainly worth it for the slave's freedom." But anyways, Allah is like from Shimon Gamliel uh, that the slave the slave is totally goes off goes off free, and uh, the IOU now is from the fraudster, Mister A, to now recommit to pay B as soon as he gets the money.